0: This Christmas morning, we come once again to the book of Matthew. If you were with us last week, uh, we started a series just two weeks, uh, two week series last week and today. Uh, We are looking at Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus because Matthew does something very interesting. I mentioned this last week. Matthew centers his account around several passages from the Old Testament that are prophecies. These are statements given years and years and years before Jesus was born that speak of the arrival, that's the name of our series, or, or his advent, his first advent. Advent means coming. And so, so Matthew does this interesting thing. We called it, I mentioned uh, this, this idea of a fulfillment f- formula. So for example, in Matthew one twenty two, where we were last week, he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And so you can go through uh, and see different places where uh, this comes up. It's going to come up in chapter 2, verse 15. Also, chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 23. And it's this same idea. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet and uh, and so I thought well we 've been in the minor prophets we 've been looking at these Old Testament uh, people that spoke forth for God to god 's people, to nations to us there 's application to us let 's kind of end the year with some more uh, fulfillment of of prophecy. Now, I do need to be honest with you because our text this morning it 's not Luke uh, we heard Luke read as the call to worship we 're staying in Matthew chapter 2, uh, the first 12 verses, and the fulfillment formula is not there, okay? In 2, 1 to 12, you're not going to hear, this was spoken to fulfill what was written, okay? We are going to see a quote from Micah, and so it, there, there is a fulfillment of some prophecy, but for Micah's quote, uh, Matthew, he, he leaves my cool little, you know, formula system that others have pointed out. But you, you can note it. You can go later today, and you again can see and Verse fifteen, verse seventeen, verse twenty three, um, how he how he does uh, that little thing. But if you haven't already, open your Bible to Matthew two. I want to read through our passage, and we're just going to have a short time together this morning uh, in the Scriptures. Um, and and it's real simple this morning. What what we're going to do? I put it on on the screen. Uh, Matthew two one to twelve is going to guide us toward the right response. To the birth of Jesus, I mean if you think about uh, what do you do on birthdays for people, right? if it's someone you, you like, <laughs> someone you love, you usually give them a gift or you call them or write them or text them, or you know you do something, you, you, you recognize the, the birth of someone. Um, it is kind of a newer thing uh, this isn't something that they did in antiquity, but here we are, living in a time where we do. Honor birthdays, and so this passage again just provides a great picture of the right response. But in, in giving the right response, we're actually going to see uh, some wrong responses uh, as well. So here's here's the outline this morning: three things. We're going to read through the passage. That's point number one. Easy. Second point of the sermon today: we're going to talk about the prophecies, and there's actually more than the Micah one, which is explicit. Okay, we're we're going to see some others. So we're going to look at the prophecies. And then we will consider the right responses to the birth of Jesus. So we'll read the text, we'll talk about the prophecies, and then we'll consider the right response to the birth of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, follow along, please, as I read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, The king, behold, wise men or magi, as as kind of literally the word is wise men magi from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we saw his star when it rose. We saw a star in the east and it's rising. We have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. See, there's the difference there. It doesn't say spoken by the prophet, fulfilled this one. We simply have Matthew quoting the scribes and the uh, chief priests who say, for so it is written by the prophet. And here's the quote from Micah 5.2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. So the Old Testament prophecies that we find in this passage. And as I mentioned, there's the obvious one right there in verse 5. For it is written by the prophet. And you have this quote from uh, Micah five two. Now we'll get to that one in a moment, but we want to talk first about the star, the star, the star that is so cute in in all the kids books and kids Bibles, the star that's fun in the different like kids sets, you know that maybe you've seen over the years, and the star that's troubling for people as they get older and think, really, a star? Really, this thing like rose and and. It guided them, and then it, it shone over, really, a star? Yes, that's what we want to just talk about for a few moments. I love how in verse 2, these, these magi, and just again briefly, um, there probably weren't three kings from Orient, uh, there were the magi, these these wise men, these astrologers. They probably weren't even kings, actually. They were they were very wise. They were learned in the uh, things of their day. And probably from a place like Babylon, think in the book of Daniel, think about how Daniel um, would come before the king and the king would gather all his wise sorcerer-type people. And, and probably they, they may have been like that. We, we're really guessing. Uh, what we know is they... Had a lot of wealth that came with them. There, there were three gifts, which is why we talk of three kings and so on. Um, we don't know how many. We know they had a lot. There probably would have been an entourage. It would have taken them weeks to get there. We we forget that, right? We can drive, you know, to Southern California in, in six hours if you're Alden, you know, um, or or you know seven if if you go with the speed limit, kind of a thing. I'm just kidding, Mom. Merry Christmas. Um, Right we we get places quickly. we can hop on an airplane and be you know across the country in just a few hours, but but they walked and they had to stop and they had to drink and, and their animals and whatnot. It would have taken them weeks to get there, but they they come, and what they say in verse two they 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 come to uh Jerusalem well because well they're going they're going to tell us why, and, and Luke is helping us. this is the time of Herod the king, Herod the great, uh, he was very very wicked and evil and crazy and paranoid and all these things. But these, these magi, they come and they say, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? And then th- these words, We saw his star. Where would they get that language? We saw his star in the east when it rose or at its rising. This is You notice in the ESV it says, We saw his star when it rose, right? So, again, in doing some interpretation. Uh, it, it rose where they were in the east and they traveled toward the west where Jesus was and, and, and followed his star. But where would they have gotten that language? Well, before we talk about whether this, you know, was some kind of a supernova or, or something happening, Haley's Comet or, or whatever different things people want to say, um, we need to remember a couple things. As I said, these, these magi, they would have been learned people. And if they were from a place like Babylon, Um, What else do we know about Babylon? We know that God, in His sovereign, providential care, when when His people were judged and taken away to Babylon some many years prior... um, God's people were there and they lived there 70 plus years. And God had told his people while they lived there to to marry and to build homes and to seek the welfare or shalom of the city. God had given these, these calls to God's people. And, and when the time came, they did return. But, but they lived there a long time. And it's even possible that not all of God's people returned. And so if they remained true to Yahweh, even living in Babylon, they would have spoken of The scriptures. They would have talked uh, and taught others about Yahweh and about the scriptures. And there happens to be this passage uh, that comes to us from Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. It's this interaction um, with Balaam and this prophecy. Um, And so these Jews in Babylon, very likely, they would have known about this passage and they could have talked about it. And these wise magi types may have heard this, this verse, you see it on the screen, a screen. I I see him, but not now I behold him, but not near a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So if they had talked about that verse, isn't it probable and possible that then if God chooses to actually miraculously make a star rise, they, they would have connected. Oh, there was that prophecy. There was that statement that a star was going to rise. We heard his, of his star and we, we followed it. We, we knew of that, that word. And so um, you see sort of uh, a subtle prophetic word there that, that God was speaking again in this story in, in Numbers 24 uh, with, with Balaam. But now again, as to the physical nature of the star, the star that they would see and it would guide them and lead them, um, again, people want to dismiss this as legend, people want to dismiss this as being some parallel to pagan myths, which were around in those days in which uh, stars guided heroes to destinations and whatnot. Uh, Of course, even in ancient literature, there is the writing of astrological phenomena that accompanies the birth or and death of notable kings. We have it with Julius Caesar it accompanies his death. Uh, we have it with Augustus Caesar it accompanies his birth. So skeptics want to say, well, Matthew, he's just fabricating this thing and going along with other ideas. But I love what one scholar says. He writes, if Matthew's sources, so the people that Matthew was gleaning from, if If they misled him, then Matthew was deceived. And if Matthew invented this episode, well, he's a deceiver. But why would Matthew, who's writing to Jews, to Jewish people predominantly, why would he make up or concoct a story of worshiping astrologers for a predominantly Jewish audience? See, Matthew wouldn't make that up. He's writing to Jews who they took very seriously seriously to worship God and worship Him only, and for pagan non-Jews to travel weeks and weeks and hundreds and hundreds of miles and to show up. And as they say, they come to do, and as they do, to worship, there's no reason for Him to make make this up. Again, as I said, it's more likely that they had heard of Numbers 24. And then God, why, why can't God miraculously have a star move and guide them? If, if God is who He says He is, He's the God of miracles and he can most definitely do the miraculous. I also came across this verse from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3 this week. I had never thought of this or seen this until I was studying. This also might be a prophetic hint, right? Look at this on the screen. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So maybe those magi had heard that. Prophecy from Isaiah too, so they've heard of the star, and then they've heard of this this idea of the nations, meaning the the non Jews coming to his light and kings and all that, and and so then God and His providence guides them to to Jesus. Well, I th- I think those are subtle kind of indirect prophecies, but of course Micah five two is the big one, and so we see that there. Um, and we're going to talk in a minute about um, the chief priest, the scribes. But, but when Herod hears these questions about a king born, he says, well, it's got to be the religious people that they should know. And they do. And it's fascinating, too. We, we don't pick up on it really in the English. But Herod's no dummy, as, as paranoid and evil as he was, he, he he decides to go to two different groups. He goes to the, the chief priests. That was one kind of religious group. And then the scribes of the people, like that was the other group of leaders. Probably the Pharisees would have been in that category. And so these were rival religious groups. But he's going to go to them both and ask them this question. And they agree on this. They don't agree on very much, but they agree. And they, they just tell him, well, flat out in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and they quote Micah 5.2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That that last phrase, shepherd my people, that's either from Micah 5.4, just a couple verses later, or it's an allusion back to 2 Samuel and this promise of what the promised anointed king would be. He would be a shepherd. He would be a tender leader. We have, even though the fulfillment formula isn't there, we have right here in, in Matthew 2, clear prophetic words, clear from Micah, but, but indirect, but I think there, these ideas from Numbers and possibly Isaiah, that, that this one born, this one born was talked about. Prophesied about, and this is the fulfillment of those things. But in this passage, as I said at the outset, what we really have are uh, responses to the birth of Jesus. We have, in fact, four different responses in the text, and I just briefly want to highlight the four responses, and that is going to just set up for us what is our response. If Jesus is the fulfilled one, the fulfillment of these prophecies, if his arrival, his coming is a fulfillment of what God had spoken of in direct ways and indirect ways long ago, what do we do with that? On Christmas Day 2022, what do we do in response? Well, the first response we see in our our passage is, of course, from King Herod and and writers for years now have noted this. This isn't uh, unique to me, but Herod's response is one of hostility, and, and that's an understatement. <laughs> and we we could and maybe it would be worthwhile to spend a lot of time, some time, really looking at Herod. Of course, as some of you know where verse thirteen goes uh, in in chapter two, and and what continues to happen in the story. Uh, we're going to limit our our time to verses one through twelve, but. Herod is hostile um, he, he represents anyone who's hostile to God. He's paranoid he's the king, although he's not really the king he's not uh, he's, he's a foreigner he's he's working with Rome, but Rome doesn't really like him and the Jews don't really like him and but he's in charge as the king, but he is definitely a, an enemy to God and and he becomes the enemy of the evil one as the story unfolds. Um, his response to try to dupe the wise men. He, he doesn't want to worship. He's lying. He, he has wicked plans. He, he represents all who are hostile to God. And, and some people are hostile to God. They, they are. Um, just early this morning, I was with one of my kids at uh, St. Arbuck's. No, not a church, but Starbucks, having a coffee. Uh, and and it's fascinating to hear different people come in. And I greeted the barista, Merry Christmas, interestingly, wondering what kind of response I would get. And she said, oh, Merry Christmas. And, okay. and that was it. But then this other guy, his thing was, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever you want, you know, kind of a thing. And, and I just listened and, and observed. But there are people that are very hostile to, to what we are celebrating this morning, to why you've come this morning. The, the cradle, the, the baby born, the candles... The point is to God in the flesh having come once who now is at the right hand of the Father and who will come again. People are hostile. Where are you toward God this morning? Another response is that of the people of Jerusalem. We don't hear a lot about them really in the text, but 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 it does say that... Um, They were troubled. As this word got out, and it would have gotten out, as this entourage from the east shows up, people would have, what's that about? And people would have started to talk. Oh, well, they came and they said, they came to worship a baby, this king of the Jews. And so, and and all Matthew says is that the the people were troubled. And so what, what others over the years have said is the people represent a response of indifference. They're troubled, but not enough to do anything. They they, they just, maybe that guy's going to cause trouble, so I'm just going to kind of avoid it, right? I just, I'm indifferent. I'm troubled, but indifferent. Troubled, not, not like Herod, who's hostile, but but indifferent. And yet, God's people have been waiting for the promised Messiah. Again, I mentioned Isaiah 60, verse verse three, nations would come to his light. Jeremiah had promised that there would be a righteous king in Jeremiah twenty three, verses five and six. And as the people hear this, they're they're troubled, they're indifferent. They they don't seem to care. Uh, The third response that we see in these verses is represented by these two religious groups, the priests, the scribes, and, and theirs is an apathy. They're not indifferent. They're they're apathetic. Right? They they have a head knowledge. They they'd say, Oh, well, it's Micah 5 2, King Herod. This is the yeah, Bethlehem is where he's supposed to be born. They know stuff. But it's just in their head. J. C. Ryle, a famous pastor and writer from the mid nineteenth century, he wrote There may be Scripture in the head while there is no grace in the heart. There may be Scripture in the head while there is no grace in the heart. And that represents these scribes and Pharisees. Um, Jesus would go on to compare that generation's leaders to Nineveh. And they you might recall even from our study a few weeks back, or if you know the story, Jonah proclaimed... Uh, this word and there was repentance, but but Israel's leaders they they were unmoved. There was no grace in their heart. The fourth response is the right response, and it's the response of these magi, these wise men who've come a long way, who've come a long way. And what's again fascinating is that they know far less. <laughs> Then the scribes pharisees the, the the priests, but they act on that little bit that they know. you notice that they, they they know of a star, his star they've heard probably some some of god's word from the Hebrew scriptures, and then when God's ready to move, what the apostle Paul would say in Galatians that Christ came at the fullness of time, at the fullness of time, when it was right, when it was time, God puts all this together and the star, and so these these magi who they were, I mean, astrology and, and you know, things were, were condemned by God in His Word, but they act on that little bit that they know. And that's what we are to do. That's what followers of Jesus are to do, to act on what we know. They They worship, that's the word translated in the English. It's a word that really can also simply mean to, like, pay homage. Like, if I come and bow down before ginger... I'm not necessarily worshiping her, but I am using this Greek word. I'm I'm paying honor, paying homage to. So we aren't exactly sure if they were full-on worshipers, as we think worship, like devoting their life, or if they were honoring this king. And they do by bowing down. Of course, they do by giving gifts. We we don't totally know. I love this quote. One of my favorite commentators, uh, Don Carson, he says, the Magi worshiped, better than they knew they worship they they bow down even better than they knew better than they realized they they sacrifice their time uh, of course their treasure their safety to travel to find this baby they represent the 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 right response to to Jesus which ultimately is worship ultimately is to uh, to give him uh, our treasures. And, and the treasure God wants more than anything is you. It's just your life. Your imperfect, messy, goofy, problem-filled, struggle-filled life. So that He can do His work of grace and and, and bring healing and renewal and and comfort. And it'll have its ups and downs like the best roller coasters and twists and barrel turns and, and you name it, but, but he just wants you. He just wants you. That's the worship he wants. So how will you respond today, Christmas 2023, to the birth of Jesus? How will you respond when you go back to work tomorrow or Tuesday or back to school in a couple weeks? How will you respond in the new year, 2023? Sally Lloyd-Jones the author of the Jesus storybook Bible in her telling of Matthew 2 says this, the journey that had begun so many centuries before had led three wise men, Magi, we'll give her some slack, here to Bethlehem, to a little town, to a little house, to a little child, to the king God had promised David all those years before. But this child was a new kind of king. Though he was the prince of heaven, he had become poor. Though he was the mighty God, he had become a helpless baby. This king hadn't come to be the boss. He had come to be a servant. He came to give his life. How will you respond? How will I respond to this joy would you stand, and we are going to end our morning with one final song. Before you go home, feel free to grab a cup of coffee, say hi to someone. I know you've got plans. Um, we do have a couple books in the back. If, if you're still filled with questions about Christmas and Jesus and God, I'm so glad, and I'm glad you're here. And we have a couple books. One's called The Case for Christ. It's a little kind of answer booklet that's in the subtitle maybe that'll fuel some reading further reading another one I just have a couple copies is called is Christmas unbelievable and so these are great resources if you have questions um, grab one or if you know someone who might have questions take those they're our gift but um, let's let's pray and let's ask God to do a work so that we can respond um, in worship like these magi so Father in heaven Thank you this morning for a few moments to gather, to celebrate, to sing, and to hear your word speak to us about the right response to the birth of the Lord Jesus. And God, if we're honest, sometimes we are indifferent. Father, sometimes we're apathetic. We just don't care. We've got other things. God, maybe sometimes we're hostile to you. Thank you that you are gracious and forgiving and loving. I pray we would hear your word of grace again today, and that in hearing that word of grace, we would we would respond as the the magi do, to to respond with what little we know, and just to worship you, to to give you our life, and and. I thank you, God, that you're not afraid of our honesty, the questions we have, the hurts, the struggles. I pray you would help us and and do the work of grace in our life. But Give us joy now this day as we consider that the earth has received her king and we, we are celebrating and gathering for that in Jesus' name.